here to serve yesterday. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for giving of your time and loving on our kids. And so before the kiddos go, I just wanted to say that. So thank you all. You did a wonderful job. Proud of each and every one of you. All right, kiddos, go have fun. Yay. Okay, so while they're going, today's Sunday fun day, so you can stick around after church. There'll be pizza and bluebell ice cream. Do y'all know what bluebell ice cream is? It's the better kind. You know what I'm saying? Like, we actually, when Janae was little, went to the bluebell factory, and um, it was close as it had lick a or something. That probably, like, sounds really appealing, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't appealing. Anyway, they had to pull it all off the shelves, and, but it's better now. I think it's the best. Well, I want to give you a quiz. I've given every service a quiz, and so I'm giving... You like quizzes? No, right? You should just say yes, just because they're exciting, right? Because if you get it right, you do well. What, what book do you think we're going to be in today? Wow, so four of you knew. Like, Matthew chapter 5. Colin, you're on it, dude. All right, well, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Today, we're going to take one more step and go one more verse. And so Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And... Um, once you have that, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word, and then we're going to roll into this. Now, just to kind of remind you, I know you're like, please, we already know, but get this picture in your mind. R- remind yourself of the last couple of weeks that we've been talking about this. This is early on in the ministry of Jesus. These are the moments where he came up and he walked up a mountain, up a hillside probably, turned around and saw his closest disciples and then saw crowds, thousands beyond that, all willing and ready to hear the word that he had. And then there was something that was spurred on in Jesus that had him speak in the way that he did in this time. And it's different than a lot of the other times that Jesus spoke to the crowds. And so I want you to remember his heart was overflowing with joy as he saw people that one day he knew would sacrifice, would so many things. And so today, what in the world, honey? You're like, oh, dragging stuff around? She disrupting me? Oh, gosh, what in the world? Anyway, I want you to think about it. He turned around, and there was great joy in the way that he spoke to the people. So starting in verse 1, just as a reminder, seeing the crowds. It's significant the way that translates. You know, there are some times when, like, you see something, And then there's times where, like, you really see something. It's like when someone's speaking to you and you know it's just kind of like they're just kind of pacifying you to when, like, they actually saw your heart and, like, saw you and began to really, this is what happened. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then this is the key statement for today. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God, we ask right now, you've been with us all morning. You were with us yesterday. You're with us all the time. And so right now, we just pray that you would be with us. God, we pray that you would bring clarity to this scripture and that it would challenge our hearts and God, that it would change our mindsets and that when we go out, we would not be the same. And so in the name of Jesus, we cast the enemy out. And God, we just pray that you would just fill this place and be here. And so God, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. 
amazing time of worship today. What a beautiful time of worship and just the presence of the Lord coming. And so I want to remind you of a couple of things. So last week we talked about the language in which we translate things. Oftentimes is not correct. And so it isn't correct in the Beatitudes. There is no R, A-R-E. And so this is the way that Jesus spoke it to the people. He was saying, congratulations belong to the meek. Congratulations belong to the meek. Now I want to just take you on kind of a, a review. We've got to understand this so that we really get this. And, and I know that um, we don't often think about this. But I want you to think pre-sin. So most of us know about early on, we know about Adam and Eve. We understand that they sinned. It, it separated them from God. What's interesting about the way that Jesus spoke these Beatitudes, it's different. See, pre-fall, so pre-sin, we still needed what? God. Are you with me here? See, many of us think, okay, we need God to eradicate this sin. We need God to set our course in the right track. We need God to see our purposes come out, which is all completely accurate, which is all true. But what we forget is that even without sin, we need God. We were created to be in relationship with God. We were created to be one with him. So pre-fall, Adam and Eve freely walked with God and were created to be in relationship with him. And so what I want you to think about is stop thinking and limiting yourself to God just eradicating sin, to God just making it so that all is good. It's more than that. God like has a desire and created us with the purpose of relationship with him and then with one another. So don't let your hope for a better future, a better this, a better that, to limit you because God wants more. Pre-fall, God wanted you. He made a space in your heart for him to reside and for you to be together. So this passage is beyond just talking about sin and getting away from those things. It's bigger than that. And so he started out by saying, those that are poor in spirit, those that make a space for me, those that understand that your spirit was created for God to be there, those, those people will be celebrated. And then he talked about understanding that without, without Christ, and even thinking about ourselves, without Christ, it should cause us to mourn. See, oftentimes when we translate the Beatitudes, we think like that God's going to comfort us when we're crying about not getting our way or crying about someone passing away or no. See, see, God is talking here about when you mourn and understand your state as a lost person and how incredible it is that God wants to be a part of you and change that direction. And then you get to the place where you look at others who are lost and your heart aches and breaks for them. And then he gets to this meek, this idea of meek. All right, y'all know the argument between nature and nurture? Just say yeah, right? it's It's been a long time discussion. I kind of believe like it's part of both, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so like I, when I sit with couples and we're like doing marriage counseling, I love to hear like, because I ask a couple of questions in the beginning. Usually the first one is like, Christ, is he the first love of your life? And then does he or she, do you really love them? Or is it just like, you know, physical? Like you gotta get past all that because it's gotta be more than physical, right? You better say amen to that because it... Because listen, when things aren't well, physical is not even in the picture. Do you know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, the bottom line is, 
okay? You, you get to the, the things that, like, I just really love this about him or her. And, and I always say after they share that, you know, the very things, like, I know you love that, like, she's organizing, you're not. In a year, you know what that's going to be? Your biggest fight, right? Let's just, I mean, and sometimes we're just created certain ways. We're different and we're unique and that's okay. But God would say, your nature can be changed. See, some people say, well, I am just who I am, or that's just how God created me, or that's just, Jesus messed that up in this statement, in this idea of meek. And thankfully, in our English, we mess it up even more, and we make it even more confusing, because God was saying here, your nature can be changed. You can be different. With me, the things that drive everybody else crazy and you're okay with can be different if you'll hear me and understand me. So, just for a second, when you think of the word, without anything I'm going to say, when you think of the word meek or meekness, I want you right now in your mind to think what you first think of. Take a second. When you say the word meek, what do you think of? Some of you probably thought of like submissive. Some of you probably thought quiet. Some of you probably thought like church mice. Some of you probably thought like a bubble, and I don't disrupt anybody else's bubble, right? Yes. So all of us have some different, different thoughts. Interestingly enough, meekness is the expression of his divine nature. What Jesus was talking about here was expressing his divine nature in us. Not like who you think you are or no, it was about Jesus being expressed in you. Jesus turned around and saw a crowd of the disciples that were expressing and excited about expressing. Are right, you ready for some translations? So meek, Prada. I just want to say Prada because like devil wears Prada. And so anyway, it doesn't have anything to do with this, but that makes me think of it. And so priatis, that's the uh, translation here. It actually translates as God. So he was saying to the people, those who are as God, those who are as me, those who are holding on to, those who embody my, those who are. And the bottom line was, he was saying, meekness is not struggle. Meekness is being okay with God, being God in our lives. How many are you okay with God being God? How many of us go back and forth? Well, today, you know what? You'll have rule, but myself's going to step in. Today, you can, but I mean, how many times does self get in the way? How many times does our thoughts or our plans get in the way of God being God? Interestingly enough, this idea and what he was talking about was talking about an inward grace of the soul that allows Jesus Christ to come in and sit there. See, here's the problem. If we translate it the other way, and I'm going to break it down even further for you as we go along here. If you translate it the other way, then what Jesus did isn't what we're supposed to do. If we look at the human or the English way we talk about meekness, it's called bubble living. What's great about it is you can bubble live and still make it to heaven because on this one, remember theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This one is just talking about inheritance. So you'll still make it to heaven. You just won't get the current inheritance. 
But see, we often translate meekness as like, I'm a good Christian, I give my tithes, I give my time, and I go home, and then I go to work, and every one of the situations is a bubble. And when I'm at church, I function in this bubble, but I'm a good person in this bubble, and I'm a good person in this bubble, but it doesn't really... So if we're still called to be like Jesus, why would he say that people stay in a bubble? When he said, be like me. When he said, go out like me. You know, Jesus was bold, but he was kind in his boldness. Jesus was loving, but he was truthful. Jesus started a movement that's still going. And I don't think that movement would have happened if he meant for us to be meek. But see, there's something about meekness that that Jesus embodied that we don't get. Jesus didn't come and raise a sword. Jesus didn't come and go back at. Jesus didn't like when the ear was cut. Jesus didn't like when... And so Jesus lived out a different kind of meekness that we're really going to get into today. And so really, when he's talking about this pratus, or however you say it, it's talking about there being no dispute or resistance, only acceptance and an embracing of Jesus' plans, ways, and grace. How many of you today are kind of in a resistance with God? How many of you today are in a struggle with God? How many of you today could say, I'm not fully surrendered, I'm partially surrendered in this part, I'm working on in this part, I'm... And Jesus was saying, if you'll just relinquish, you're going to have power, you're going to have might, but it's going to be different. It's going to be grace-filled. It's going to be through the lenses of Jesus. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. And church, I believe that's you. I believe that as you make space, I believe as you make space for God, this can be your truth. All right. So I'm hoping, and I won't make, I won't make you raise your hand, okay? But I'm hoping that when I said meekness and said you come up with your definition of meekness, that many of you said weak, weakness right? Because many of us think like, if you're meek, you're weak, and so in, his, in my weakness, he's strong, and we kind of confuse that because we think if we're meek, then we're weak, and that's why we kind of stay in our bubble as Christians, and we don't go out, and we don't go forward, and we don't push back, and so we, we believe we're weak. That isn't the truth. In fact, here's actually what Jesus was referring to. When you break it down and translate it, okay, so I've said this twice now, and I don't know who's actually gone to Pastor Courtney, okay? But I think so far no one has, and so if someone does, I'll know it's one of you, okay? Which would be kind of hard to boil down. But So I don't know if you watched the video on Facebook, but that wasn't real, that was fake. We're not actually mad at each other, and if we were, we probably wouldn't post it on Facebook, you know what I'm saying, on the church page. If you didn't watch it, go on our page and watch a little video. Anyway, but I got texts like, I can't believe you all are mad. And I'm like, we're not mad at what? And then it dawned on me like they thought we were real. Anyway... I was a little upset, though. Um, we brought our dogs yesterday to Vacation Bible School. It's called Pets Unleashed. And I was told that lambs couldn't be here. And then so I bring my dog, and there was like bunnies here and like a bird. And then all of a sudden, the petty uh, horse trailer pulls up. And I'm pretty sure horses and sheep are called what? 
livestock, right? Farm animals, okay? But apparently yesterday they weren't farm animals, they were pets. So I don't know what went on, but like horses were allowed, sheep weren't. I'm totally confused at that. But anyway, um, so I've already told her that, and so she knows, so you don't have to tell her. Um, She's aware of it. But I want to tell you, this is what Jesus was talking about. He actually was referring to a broken horse. Well, what do you mean? Well, if any of you know anything about horses, in order to ride them, in order to pet them, in order to have them around children, in order for them to work for you, because you've got to think day and age, right? Day and age, you all know horsepower? It's based off of horsepower, like horses, right? How many horses would it? Are you all with me? Okay. Back then, that was the deal. Horses worked. Horses were rode. Horses were used. But the only way they could be used is if they were broken, Now, my grandparents had horses. Some were wild and some were broken. The ones that were broken, hey, you can be around them. You can use them. You can, the ones that weren't, what did they say to the grandkids? Don't go anywhere near them. They're unpredictable. Church, Jesus was saying to be broken before his throne. To recognize that without him, we are going to be out of control. Our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our actions. You ever felt out of control before? You ever felt like so stuck in your mind that you can't get out? See, Jesus was saying like, this kind of meekness, it's not a powerless meekness. Because see, when a horse is broken, guess what they are? They are useful. They are powerful. They can be ridden. They can be used. Yesterday, like hundreds of kids pet the horse and it was fine. Why? Because it was broken. You know why sometimes people can't go around you or people are afraid of you or people don't want to approach you because there's a part of your life that's not broken. And when parts of our lives aren't broken and we're on that side, we hurt people. And we hurt ourselves. And so Jesus, and I, I just, I'll be honest, like I have heard this quoted over and over again, but pastor, we're called to be meek. And I'm like, do you know the translation? Because it's not what you're telling me. Meek isn't weak. Meek isn't a church mouse. Weak isn't like in a bubble. Weak isn't, I don't go to my neighbor. Weak isn't, I don't. In fact, the General Assembly, Dr. Busick, preached the same message he preached here, which was, we pushed back the gates. We're not in the gate. We're pushing back the gates of hell, which is taking back ground that the enemy has taken from us. And so, let's take a little journey here. It's power under control. It's like Jesus saying, when you're broken, I am going to give you something. I am going to empower you. I am going to strengthen you. I am going to work in you, if you'll let me. Jesus' life demonstrated that. And not not only Jesus' life, but all of a sudden, the disciples, they started doing things that Jesus did. All of a sudden, they started because the power of God was under the authority of God in their lives. And so it's a power under control, but it starts with the inner. And so today, and only you can say, how's your inner? How's your heart? Is it struggling? Every time God comes, is there a Every time a situation, is there a, 
if you feel like your days are battles every day, then something has to be broken. And church, sometimes in order to be broken, we have to break with some, some people. Because they're keeping us on the, the wild side of things. And I don't mean wild as in like, you can just be wild in your thoughts. Wild can mean a lot of things. See, it starts with the inner. What is present in the inner will eventually become what's on the... Jesus said, if you'll just come under my authority, you will come under a power that you've never... You will be useful in a way that you've never... You will see things in a way that you've never... So Jesus is so good... I, I love these statements because these statements are all attached with something. Um, now, one, a, a couple of them, three of them in particular, have to do very much with the kingdom of heaven. This one doesn't. So you're kind of off the hook. So if you, you want to live in your bubble and you want to just remain, it doesn't mean you won't see heaven, but you probably won't see the fullness of God right now. You probably won't see victory. You'll probably just kind of live in the struggle and we'll see you in heaven and, and okay. Because this doesn't link it to heaven. But you know what it does? It links it to an inheritance. And here's another struggle. When do we get our inheritance? When somebody dies, okay? And, and who puts together that inheritance? Who, who supplies it? Who, who gets it together? Not you, right? Unless you're working behind the scenes and trying to get that person dead so you get, you know what I mean, you start working out. Hey, I've been around the church a lot. I've dealt with stuff and you'll be, you'd be surprised what I've seen. It's like, did y'all not kind of plan this retirement home stuff so you could, you know, anyway. Um, but oftentimes we associate inheritance with death. Interestingly enough, Jesus starts this passage out by saying this doesn't have to do with just the eternal. It actually has to do with the current, the now, the present it has to do with like when I go and send my spirit, this is yours now. So he's talking about like an inheritance now. He's talking about like, hey, I'm going to give you this as you submit. I'm going to, it actually translates as this word. I cannot say this. So I'm going to say a funny word instead. But here's it translated a-N-O-M-E-O. -E -E so it really doesn't go with my translation. I'll say Romeo because it's got M-E-O in it and an R-O, but they're not all together. So I, I thought it was. But I'm going to say Romeo. That's how it actually translates is uh, Romeo. And it says to receive now. See, see, what's happened in the church is that we've said, well, I've been a meek, submissive, weak Christian all my life. And I'm waiting for my heavenly home, my heavenly prize, I'm going to make it, I'm going to, I'm going to, and it's a lot of what I am's, and not a lot of we are's. And Jesus was saying, we are, you can, you all will receive an inheritance. And what's that inheritance? Well, let's talk about it, okay? Because he actually says earth. That's interesting, right? Now, if you want to have fun this week, I want you to study this because it actually is referring to a lot of things in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament, what did God promise the Israelites? The 
promised land, okay? A place of milk and honey. If you look at Abraham, take it even Abraham. I mean, there was land promised. In fact, like land was often referred to in the Old Testament and it was a gifting. It was a big deal to get land and how you divide it. If you were the firstborn, on and on and on. Let me, let me explain to you what this means because it's specific and it relates to when he was tempted. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm pretty sure this is how Jesus meant it. He looked at those people and said, we're gonna turn around what the enemy thinks. Do you remember when the enemy tempted Jesus right after, his, right after his baptism? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he tempted him with all that he saw, the world. He said, I would gift it to you. Jesus did what? Like she said last week, went back to the scripture and just took him right back to the scripture. Here, here's the deal. Jesus said, I am gonna let you inherit the earth. Well, what does that mean? Let's start here. Let's start at 2301. Let's start at 2324. Let's just start at this property. At one time, it was just a little building. And then it just began to grow and things began to change and things began to... And so what does it mean? Well, last year at Vacation Bible School, we'll use a really present example. We had 52 kids. For the last 34 years, we've averaged about 50 kids at VBS. Well, this year we had 150 kids at VBS. Do you know what that means? That means you shall inherit. Come on now. You shall take back my children. You shall. Church. When people say the ministry is dead, when people say churches are dying, I say, no, because the same God that was the God when you were born and things were thriving in your mind is the same God that's alive right now. And so if he wanted to have people then, he wants to have people now. If he wants to see purposes come, if he wants to see health come, if he wants to see struggles go, he's still doing it. And so what he's saying to you is as the struggles release and I take my place, you have power, you have purpose, you have intention, and you take back. So when you go home today, guess whose property is no longer the enemy's? I don't care if you're in an apartment. I don't care if you're in a duplex. I don't care if you're on property. Guess whose it becomes? He gives it to you. And then you have power to start saying, you know what, Satan, you don't have any right here. And then all of a sudden, as you become empowered through the power of Jesus Christ, then the next place, then the next place, then your workplace then your family crisis, then your, and he said it's right now. But we've kind of made it, well, we got to be meek, so we're weak, and then eventually we'll get our heavenly, and Jesus right then was talking all about the present. So why can't we say that? We heard a lot of stories when we first got here, right, about how this area, it was just, it's just not going to turn around, it's not going to, it's not gonna, it's not gonna. And not having been from here, I'm like, well, why? Isn't Jesus the same in Knack and the same as where I grew up as it is in Anderson? So what, why are we like believing this lie? Why? Because we settle into things and then we can't see. And, and so we began to walk the streets when we first got here and met a family. We meet a family, then we met a boy who at the time was like a young teen who started coming to church through just walking the streets and saying, you know, we can take back the streets. We can take back the homes. We can take back the lives. 
And then he starts coming to youth group as a young teen, starts to grow up here in the last four and a half years. He's now at senior high camp, saved, loves the Lord, leads worship some Sundays, and is going to ONU Plus in the fall here at AFC. So why can't we take back the earth that was taken from? You know what I'm saying, church? So if you're believing that there's an area in your life where he can't take back, then you're not believing him. And so maybe today is a day that you say, wait a minute, (laughs) if I let him come in, if I embrace my helpless state, if I really get it, then, then he can really take back. He can. He takes back years. He takes back. But we have to embrace him. We have to embrace him. We have to embrace him. And so if the enemy is winning a battle in your life, then in that battle, embrace Jesus more. And then embrace the people in this room, the pastors, the staff, the leaders, your friends, that are really spiritually driven, who really have the spirit of God in them, and let them start walking with you. Because that's what a young boy did, and four and a half years later, he is thriving. He's standing right now, worshiping, most likely praying and heading to lunch at a dining hall at a place called Shiloh Park. And people said, these streets will never, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. If, if I'm serving the same Jesus you are, then these streets will. And so church, take it back. Embrace him. Say, it's not yours, enemy, it's his. Then come under his authority, and he will do it but it has to be sourced by Jesus. Enemies will always surround me. Enemies will always surround you. You can't tell me, because guess what? This isn't his property, and so he has no rights here. The only way he has rights here is if you bring it here. And you know what? There's thousands of churches today where people walked into them and brought the enemy there. And I don't mean like coming broken. I don't mean like coming just falling before. I mean coming in and saying, I can't believe the pastor. I can't believe the carpet. I can't believe the walls. I can't believe that he actually, I can't believe the holy gene. I can't believe the, that is what I'm talking about. And that's the stuff God is saying, we don't need that here. He's saying, embrace me, and you're going to start getting some earth. You're going to start the feet. When you walk, I've already walked. So you'll just be stepping on the earth that I, when you say yes to me, and church, think about the movement of Jesus. You're here today because of the words he spoke on that mountainside. So tell me he's not still taking ground. Tell me he's not still bringing people back to their purposes, to their fullness, to their giftings, to their talents. He is still doing it. And you know what? It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch people settle in. Yeah, see, that's, it's time to go. <laughs> Can I celebrate one thing? Brennan, are you okay if we celebrate you? Is that, you, you can't help it now, right? Do you want to, Randy, Brennan, would you mind standing up? Is that Okay. So they've been coming here for probably a couple months now, and um, this week uh, he accepted Christ, and so I think we should just celebrate. 
And so when you see him, you need to love on him, encourage him, because you know the enemy likes starts. He likes to get in at the start. And so what, why don't we get around him and pray for him during this time and encourage him and love on him. And so make sure you love on him in the next couple of weeks, months, years. And um, we're just thankful for the move, for the space, for the ground that God is taking back and he's using you to do it. God, today, be with us. Be with us even as we eat, as we come together, as we just fellowship around food and stuff. God, I just pray that you would move in this place. And God, I pray that today, as we settle into your presence, as we set our, ourselves aside, that we would allow you to come and that we would embrace you, that we would embrace your wholeness, your goodness, your holiness, your love. And God, we just, we just thank you so much. And we just pray today, Lord, that as we step, that as we step, that you would just take back the ground that the enemy has stolen. God, I pray that you would just begin to take it back even in this area that as we step and move into your presence, that you would just go before us and take back, take back those lives, those people, those struggles from the enemy. And let's, let's pray for wholeness. God, we pray for Brendan today. Lord, we ask that you'd embrace him, that you would challenge him, that you would grow him, that you would continue to just put a spark in his life that is new and fresh and let it never go away. And so we pray protection around him. We pray a hedge around him, his family, all of them. And so God, we just trust him to you and his family. We love you so much. And we just ask that you'd be with us in our time of fellowship and food. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Listen, parents, I wouldn't eat first and then get your kids. Pastor Courtney, you know, she just might, I don't know, be a little upset. So you might want to get them and then eat. How's that sound? All right, God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. Appreciate and love each and every one of you.